0: I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. I'm here with my dear friend and colleague, Miss Kimberly Davis. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Trevor. Thank you for having me.
0: So we're going to do something fun today. We did this uh, a couple weeks ago with Dea where we are recording a podcast that doesn't have an article related to it. Um, and my desire for this podcast, Kimberly wrote an article called Blindsided by Being Sandwiched on her Fiscal Feminist blog. And uh, I was thinking I want to bring something to our clients and our readers of, of of real value and maybe something that I haven't talked about before. And what I loved about the article you wrote It was something that you experienced, and it's something that I have been contemplating like, man, this is real for my clients. This idea of being sandwiched between two generations, Um, one, this responsibility to respect and have reverence for your parents and care for their needs and how you navigate that, and additionally, as your children uh, go through university and uh, careers and weddings and things like that, the financial care you have on that end. And kind of where it puts you on the financial stress rack on being pulled on both ends.
1: Hi, (laughs) It puts it on the very high stress rack.
0: Oh, I thought that was like, hi, pleasure to meet you. I've been experiencing that.
1: (laughs) No, um, really. It is, uh, you know, I think this is like a novel thing because um, I'm significantly older than you. I have millennial children. And then I have parents that are ninety and ninety-two, and people of my generation, the I guess the baby boomer uh, group, we you know we have parents that are living much older than I think their parents lived. My my maternal grandparents died at sixty-two and sixty-three, so by all intents and purposes, if I followed in their footsteps, I'd be dead in like I don't know a year. Um, so the point is, is that this is a you know this is a new thing. How do we care for our elderly parents? because there's no paradigm, there's nothing to follow. And then you have children who still, you know, have needs and wants and things you want to do for your kids. So it's really, um, it's really a conundrum, you know, and my uh, situation occurred very suddenly, my, you know, my mom uh, was showing signs of dementia. And then as time went on, it became apparent that was the situation. And then she also had, some other physical problems. But, um, you know, my parents are both alive and healthy, and I'm an only child. And although they have some assets, um, they, you know, I do have to help them out. And I have to have nursing care for them that comes multiple times a day, because I live in California, and they live in Pittsburgh. So this has added a whole layer of financial responsibility for me that I had not anticipated, right? You have your kids, you put them through university, schools, whatever you're doing. And you think, oh, they're going to go off and, you know, deal with themselves. Well, it's also not so cut and dry with that either. And um, I think COVID, too, really brought you know, into focus, that uh, the elderly need care. And so one of the reasons I wrote about it is that, you know, 75% of the caregivers for the elderly and for children are are women. And this is a big time commitment to them, and it's a huge financial commitment. So I've had to really, um, you know, reconfigure my budget. I've had to have a think about my own long-term retirement planning and even contributing to my own retirement because, you know, my ask, you know, my my loyalties are split now, you know, and I I have uh, three children. Um, one is totally independent. One is in law school, so I do assist. And then one is in transition, so I assist her as well. Uh, so there's a lot of people that you know are relying on me, and I did not anticipate that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you're saying that because usually. I think of articles because of, you know, I was in the shower and I was thinking about something financial. I was like, oh, I got to write about that. And everything you're saying right now, it's actually reminding me why I wanted to talk about this. I just officiated a wedding for my sister-in-law. And um, at the wedding was my mother-in-law who's now caring for her mother-in-law who um, she moved from Las Vegas out to Orange County. She's living with them. um, And there was an extra layer of considerations of, hey, where is she going to sit? How are we going to bring her here? Uh, As they are figuring out all the finances for the wedding, um, I'm going to New York as you are next week for uh, this dinner with Larry Kudlow, and I wanted to bring my wife, but she can't watch my kids because she's got to take care of my – so this extra dynamic where she was planning to retire – uh, with no thoughts of kind of caring for a mother-in-law, but just the family situation made that happen. And this, this—it's not a bad thing. And I hope this isn't a bad word to use, but this curveball
2: mm-hmm. has
0: definitely changed plans. And then when I go back and read your article, I thought about like, hey, in a culture or petri dish or whatever you want to say, when all things are normal, and then you start to tweak a few variables, like longevity, people live a little longer, like. Uh, you know, I'm a millennial, so I definitely grew up thinking I needed grad school, which uh, means that that generation is going to be uh, that boomerang generation <laughs> that comes back home and that little bit more reliance. Now, here's an interesting question for you. You're an only child, so that decision's easy. But when you're advising clients and things like that, how does that conversation go when there are siblings of like, hey, who's going to care for mom and dad? And it sounds like there's two aspects there's the actual being there and caring for them, and then there's the financial part.
1: Right. Well, you know, being an only child is kind of cuts both ways. It's easier because I make all the decisions and I have power of attorney, um, but it's harder because I have no assistance. So I have to really pay for a lot of extra help that I could have if I had a sibling. But nine times out of ten, what I find out with families is that, you know, usually there's one kid who seems to take care of the parents the most. And, you know, some live abroad or, or live in another town or whatever. But one of the things I think – all families should do. And even if you're an only child, do it with your parents before everybody gets too old. And people are, you know, for someone of your generation, when your parents are still with it, you know, you need to do family planning as a family, the siblings and the parents and really have a conversation about, you know, if something were to happen, you know, Can they, one, afford to get a long-term care policy? Uh, I know for me, I mean, that is a top priority. I'm getting – I want to get one as soon as possible um, because I don't want to be a burden on my children. And I know, like, what all of this has caused me to go through, and I don't – mind doing it, but it is, you know, it is really stressful sometimes. And so I I would have a conversation with the family as a whole as to who's actually going to be giving, willing to give the care. Uh, Can they afford a long-term care policy? What are the wishes of the parents? I mean, how would they want that to be handled? Do they want to stay in their home? Are they okay going into facility? Um, and what assets do they have? I mean, they need to be transparent with their kids. And I know this is often problematic because some people don't want to be transparent with their kids. But in the interest of at least knowing what their game plan is, I mean, they may be able to self-fund their own long-term care within their home because they have plenty of assets. But they at least need to reassure their children of that, and the children need to know. Also, who's going to have the power of attorney? Who's going to have the medical directives? All of those things will cut down on family drama later on. Um But I do think conversations are important that I don't think most people would have ever like I never thought about sitting down with my parents when they were, you know, when I was in my 40s, and they were in their 60s, and saying, Okay, let's talk about when you might not remember who I am. I, it just wasn't in my orbit of something I would think about. But nowadays, I think we all need to be aware of this, um, and we all need to think about it because people are living longer. Women in particularly are living longer. So um, if you don't have someone to take care of you, um, you you kind of need to get a long-term care policy, And but they are expensive.
0: Yeah, they are. And that is one of my checklist items when I go over with clients is this idea of long-term care policies. What has been difficult for me is that I have clients that have existing ones that before I even came on, that they have the 616 policy. And they're like, hey, Trevor, we're going to send you this letter we got. Uh, it looks like they're going to do one of two things, either double our premium or cut our benefit in half. What should we do? And it, it makes logical sense, right? Because everyone, uh, you know, like 80% of us are going to need long-term care and, um, you know, insurance when you're pooling things together. The hope is that uh, only a minority would need it, but the majority would pay. Um, but long-term care becomes uh, difficult there. Now, with what you're telling me, it sounds like, uh, and I'll ask for affirmation here: is um, was it kind of a surprise when all this happened, or did, did was it was it all of a sudden that you realized like, oh man, I'm going to have to take care of my parents, uh, or was it like something you'd thought about, and you're like, man, I wish I would have had a conversation five years ago, or what did that look like?
1: Yeah, it was it was gradual, and what happens is, you know, I noticed at one point, maybe, um, I want to say maybe about. So 6 or 7 years ago that my mother was having short-term memory problems like just one day we were on vacation in the Dominican Republic just the three of us and I noticed that she kept forgetting how to get back to her chaise lounge chair like she couldn't remember where it was and that was kind of the beginning when I and then you know eventually she couldn't you know she couldn't drive anymore cuz she couldn't remember But the problem is, is that I at that point, it was too late to have the discussion because she won't really admit that this was the path that we were going down. Like she's not going to say I mean, she realizes she has short term memory problems, but she will never admit that she has dementia. She remembers who I am. She knows who my children are. She knows who my dad is. But at that point, too, my father was was more with it than he is now. He's now 92. Uh, He worked until he was about 86. But then he he started forgetting how to get to work. Uh, he doesn't have dementia, but he was kind of um, still dealing with the family, you know, the home and paying the bills and the property taxes. Um, but now they are both to the point where they don't really do any of that. I I run everything for them. I pay all their electric bills and everything. Everything is kind of run through me. Um, and so, was there
0: any pushback when you kind of took that over?
1: No, because. They, like, I only, again, poor planning on my part. But, you know, we, the nurse and I concluded that mail was getting thrown away. So my mom was like, the mail would come in or she'd go get the mail. And then we never knew where it went. So I found out they hadn't paid their property taxes in three years. They hadn't paid their income taxes. I didn't realize that my dad had really forgotten, just kind of checked out on this stuff. Um, and so if I don't do it, they would literally just sit in their house and just assume somehow this is all getting done. Like they don't grocery shop, they don't drive anymore. Um, and this is not uncommon. So it was kind of a slow evolution, but by the time I was involved in the evolution, it was too late to talk to them about it because my father still has, you know, he's still cognizant and I can talk to him about certain things. But, um, you know, I was just talking to the lawyer the other day because I have to, change the power of attorney now, because it has to be absolutely 100% me now. Um, And it's, it's hard. If I had had these discussions with them when in their 70s, then I think I would have been more prepared for, you know, I I just never thought this would happen. You know, my parents were very dynamic people. And um, my grandparents all died at an early age. So I've never seen anyone go through dementia. And now I have so many friends who are my age who are in exactly the same boat that I'm in. And weirdly, uh, last Saturday, I was in Pittsburgh. I was there for a week. And I went to my 45th high school reunion. And so you guys can try to figure out the math on that one. She graduated uh, high school at 10. She's I, a genius. I was a genius. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, there were more people like me there than not. Um, one of my really dear friends from high school, she has a 94 year old father, he stays at home, uh, her mother died of dementia or of Alzheimer's. And, you know, I mean, she has a care caregivers that she uses an agency for. I have one caregiver, so I have consistency, but they are changing the caregivers every day. She can't get a straight story out of them. She also lives in California um the logistics of it are nightmarish and you know he won't move so it's it's not an uncommon problem at for people my age now
0: and it, it so as you're telling me this where i feel extremely accountable i know i'm not a perfect advisor i always strive for that and i want to get better but um i've fallen short for my clients cuz i think I'll, in the past maybe i've gone to the question to say hey are you are your parents living? And if so, have they done all their estate plan? But it's more than the estate plan. It's actually a dialogue between the child and the parent to get kind of this this understanding of of preference and plan. And even for our own family, like when you say there's probably one family member that sticks out as a caregiver, it's my sister. Yeah. Like I've always thought like she's going to do it. But that conversation needs to be had um, and to make sure uh, – One thing I I always say to clients is uh, I'm a glutton for clarity, and I have this no surprises rule. Like if a client comes to me and says, oh, they're surprised by how their portfolio behaved or how something happened, I'm like, man, I fell short because there really shouldn't be surprises. I should be able to lay everything out, Um, and this is an area that I've definitely fallen short.
1: Well, and I think the other thing is is that you have to think about if you as a family have a conversation and one person is going to step up to be the caregiver – then, you know, there's economic consideration. So, okay, who's going to pay for the care? How are we going to do that? But there's also the consideration of the person giving the care. They're going to probably have to work less. They're going to be stepping out of the workforce. They're not going to be contributing to Social Security if this becomes like almost a full-time enterprise. They are going to stop contributing to their 401K. So this is going to have an economic effect on them. Not to mention, for me, the money is stressful because I've had to now add another layer of responsibility to my financial responsibilities that I wasn't anticipating. But it's also the emotional aspect of this. You know, I am, you know, it's very hard to see your parents be fragile. And then when you add dementia into it and people kind of speak and say things that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to say, and sometimes it's kind of brutal, um, even if you understand that, that that's their state of mind, it's still very painful sometimes. Still cuts. And it, it's hard. You know, like when I come back from being, I go see my parents every six weeks. And when I come back uh, into my life, it takes me a few days to kind of decompress and rem- just feel normal again because I I get so upset sometimes. And I, I'm i very grateful that they're alive. You know, I want them to be as alive and happy and You know, I'm going to go back for Thanksgiving, and we're all going to go out to dinner, and that's going to take like six hours to get them ready and out the door. Uh, But they both have amazing appetites. Um, But it is is emotionally very draining, and that seeps into other aspects of your life. So I think the caregiving thing, if you're going to step up and be one, it not only has – it has not only financial problems because you're going to – for some people, they actually – have to step out of the workforce because it's a full-time job you wouldn't believe how time consuming it is um but it also has emotional uh aspects to it that are debilitating um so it's it's really a difficult thing and you know i always say to my clients um especially one thing to think about too is in blended families um if you get divorced and married someone else and they have other kids and you have your kids, um, this is particularly an important issue as well. Uh, And also, you know, estate planning in that particular uh, situation is very important because everyone needs to be fully aware of how those assets are going to be distributed upon each person's death in that blended marriage. But also, what if, you know, one of the people has dementia and then that person has their kids? So in that situation, I think it's even... take it to the next level of important to discuss.
0: That is my estate planning example. I won't say which family member, but in my family there is a he and a she um, blended family. He had three kids. She had four kids. Um, Like statistics work, he passed first. His money went to her. Then she passed. All her money went to her four kids. Mm. His three kids were like, hey, what's going on? And they collectively put a little bit of money, nothing significant and said, here, we're going to give this to you. And it's like, eh, he worked his whole life, but but by the law and by the way that things went, they just didn't do good planning. And um, I think thinking ahead makes uh, that extremely important. Now, one thing I've seen, so somebody at my church was telling me this week um, that her mom is suffering from dementia and they wanted to put her in a, a new care facility, but she just doesn't want to go. And um, it was like breaking this person's heart. She's like, this is my mom and I'm not going to do this. So she made the hard decision, which she had to sell one of her siblings on, the idea of not moving her. Um, because it's just not what her mom wanted. Now, is her mom in the state of mind to make the decision? I, I don't know, but she was using her intuition and her compassion, and, and she wanted to leave her there. On your journey, have you had any resistance where, um, you know, you were trying to uh, help with something where you were they were pushing you back or they felt like, no, you're our daughter still. Like, uh, this isn't your decision to be made.
1: No, it's funny because um, my parents have lived in their house for 60 years, and they've been married 67 years. And they're a very, you know, they're a very close couple, you know, they've been married 67 years, right? That's kind of awesome. But it's very clear, like, they don't want to move to California, they don't want to be in assisted living, they want to be in their house. My problem would be, if I were to move them, I would have to have them legally declared, you know, incompetent if they weren't going to willingly go, which they will not willingly go. Yeah. And they would be separated because of my mother and that would kill them. And I'm not prepared to do that. I couldn't live with that. So I think, but I have known other families where there is definitely a, a disagreement about what to do about this. And I have a friend who actually lost that one. She wanted to keep them in the home. Um, the siblings didn't. And, and then they were, you know, the majority ruled kind of on that. So my parents, my mother, uh, because she can't remember anything, really, uh, she will ask me when I'm there about, oh, I don't know, 15 times a day, you know, are you gonna put me somewhere? Is somebody gonna come and get me? And I'm always like, no, you're going to be here until...
0: But that's an honest fear of hers. It sounds yeah, it's, like,
1: it, And it's like she, right, she has dementia, so she's already a little paranoid. And even if I tell her every day it's not going to happen, in her mind, whether it's the dementia or it's the fear she's had her whole life, I don't know because who knows who's speaking uh, under those circumstances, but she is genuinely like needs constant reassurance that's not going to happen because she's like, you know, I don't want to go to one of those places. And I'm like, don't worry, you're here, you know, unless I drop dead you're going to be here so it is something that families need to discuss because it's it's intrusive into your personal time now i put them pretty much first and one of the things that we haven't talked about is the children our children my children uh they are the flip side of this right so, and i want to
0: go there but i have one quick question cuz i in my notes i'm transitioning there next let me ask just okay. one question on on the parent side have you was there like a a guide or an advisor or was it multiple people or a guide book did you find any one particular resource or person helpful in navigating this or did you just kind of collect the wisdom along the way and, and design your own path
1: yeah so that's a really good question and it would be really great if there was a guide. There is, uh, in Pittsburgh, there is a geriatric center, which I have never been able to get an appointment at because it you can only call at 8 a.m. on a Friday for one hour to get appointments, and then they are very random, weird times. So it's been really hard, and I've, you know, obviously I discussed this with her doctor, um, but he's... I mean, for all intents and purposes, hopefully he's not listening to this. He's pretty useless. Um, so he was no help. So it's really a matter of, um, you know, I researched uh, nursing care. Um, the way I got the, the person I'm using now was just random. I mean, my mother had fallen. She was um, one of the nurses that helped. And then we got into a discussion and she kind of wanted to transition. So luckily for me, we came up with an arrangement that works for her. Um, but it's a really, there is absolutely no guidance on this. And there's, you know, one of the things I was thinking is I should be really looking into Medicare now to see if there are more things there that I could take advantage of that I'm not aware of. Because somebody was telling me at my reunion, (laughs) this is what baby boomers talk about at their 45th reunion, is, um, you know, you should look into Medicare because there may be some things that might help your mom um, that you're not tapping into. And I was like, okay, I better do that. I got to put that on my list of things to do. So there isn't really anything out there that gives you a roadmap.
0: Because I feel like it's even the small things. So like uh, my mother-in-law, one thing when her mother-in-law moved in was uh, bathing her. That was a new thing, and yeah. and we ended up. Uh, not I shouldn't say we, so I wasn't a part of it. But um, hiring somebody that comes in and does that because um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if reverence is the right word or respect or what it is. But just leaving that barrier uh, is it, just a way to honor her um, because um, that is a um, it's a very vulnerable place for someone to be. No,
1: it's very odd, and you know the nurse that I have, she does that for my parents. But on, when I go there this particular time. You know, I wanted her to have some time off, right? Because of she's getting she gets burnt out. You know, it's uh, full. T- you know, because there are incidences that happen. You know, like sometimes she walks in and she, she finds a situation like you know, my mom did some something a little bit out of character or maybe in character. I don't know. The other couple weeks ago, you know, the nurse came early in the morning after having been there the night before, and. You know, my mom had just like randomly moved a bunch of stuff out to the front yard, and we didn't know why. And she was thinking she might be garage moving. Sale. Yeah, we thought maybe we were at a garage sale. So you never really know. But you know, during that week, I did have to do a lot of the caregiving things that you know the nurse did. And um, you know, I'm happy to to help them in any way that I can. And and we're at the point now where, you know, my father. Uh, I'm very close. I have always been very close with my father. And, you know, every time I leave, he's just like, you know, I just hate when you leave. I, you know, when are you coming back? And when I speak to them on the phone, it's always like, when are you coming back? And I could just been there three days, you know, three days ago, but new bonds
0: group office Pittsburgh yeah, it's we- it
1: might happen. <laughs>
0: As you're talking, I'm looking up on my phone because I'm thinking about – I saw this movie some time ago. I think it was called The Judge. I had to look it up uh, with Robert Duvall and Robert Downey Jr. And there's a part there where Robert Duvall, like he he was a judge. He's established and all that. And um, he's getting into his older age and – he has some issues uh, where something happens in the restroom, and, right? Yeah. And Robert Downey and... Jr. comes in and and just seeing that moment between a son and a dad, and um, you know, going full cycle of like this innocence of almost yeah. being uh the the child to the child. It's it's difficult, but um, yeah. That... I
1: mean, I am the parent now. You know, I I am in charge of everything, and my father, I think he understands that and appreciates it because, you know, he just says straight up you know like i i just don't have it in me and I, and and also i just think he is living full time with someone who has dementia and that is also debilitating towards him even though he doesn't have it but we all love my mother and so we're gonna do whatever we're, we can to try to you know minimize any feelings of being uncomfortable or whatever she's feeling you know
0: Now, all that's happening, you have this plate spinning, what we were going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Now, there's also three beautiful, young, successful girls that are college goers, going to get married, uh, things like that. How does that work on the other side? Because there's a tug of war pulling Kimberly in both ways.
1: You know, so to your point, you know, I have to – so when I go to my parents, I always say, you know, look, guys, please don't bother me too much when I'm there because, you know, my time is just totally dominated by Grandma and Papa. Um, and they, and Meryl, who's my youngest, like she does help, she, she's in law school now. And so she's, she had to kind of, uh, stop a little bit because, you know, she's got to go to law school. But, um, when she was working, you know, she would help me with my parents and kind of take one month and I'd take the other. And she's very good with them. Um, but my kids know that, you know, when I'm there, um, I'm very much not available to, to many people, um. But there's also the financial aspect of this, you know. Um, I've had to be very clear with them that, you know, this new layer of financial responsibility not only impacts me, but kind of impacts them as well in some there's ways. only so
0: many pieces on the pie, and if yeah. someone's eating that pie, you're getting a little less pieces.
1: Exactly. And, you know, they've all been educated, and they should be able to be independent uh, actors. And, you know, for the most part, if they're not in education, it, you know, they are, but it is you know like other things happen in their life right they want to talk to me i'm their mom we're very close and you know while i was at my parents you know there was an incident that occurred uh with them all uh they were visiting their father in england and there was an, a situation that arose and you know i and the, you know i was getting texts and whatsapp messages and And I was worried, you know, because I wanted – I thought, well, should I get involved? Shouldn't I get involved? But whatever. I just didn't have the bandwidth to get involved because, you know, I had to take my parents to the doctors. And there were lots of things I had to get done in the house. And then, you know, the the nurse wasn't helping me because I gave her the week off. And I would wake up every morning and, you know, and I had – I was also trying to work. So finally, I threw up my hands one night and went to a hotel just for one night so I could stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning and work in peace, because my parents don't know whether it's night or day. So my mom will turn the TV on at 100, because she can't hear. And you can't think in the house, you know. Um, But I had to, you know, sometimes I have to say to my kids, like, I'm really sorry, but like, I can't deal with you right now, because I've got to deal with them. And they have to take priority right now, you know, because they're very fragile. And, you know, um, my daughter is getting married next year. And so that's something that kind of I'm very happy about. I, you know, I love Sam. Sam, if you're listening, you know, I love you. Uh, (laughs) She approves. (laughs) uh, I approve. So, you know, some of the things that I wanted to do now are going to be put on the back burner because my parents are now a fixed cost. It's not a discretionary cost anymore in my life. And what I do have for discretionary money, I want to be able to do things for my children that parents do, like have a wedding. Um, And so... That means my budget has had to be severely reevaluated, um, and kids, even older kids, you know, uh, things happen in a life, you know, and sometimes they need their parents' assistance. So I do what I can, but um, everybody knows that I can't do as much as I would have done before because now I have this other responsibility.
0: Now here's a question. You have three really amazing children, Um, Mm -hmm. but I know as a financial advisor, you are an advice giver, and you're going to laugh when I say this because you know it's true. Is that you talk to people a lot more than stocks, bonds, and financial plans? Um, Anything under the sun, they look to you for advice. How do you help clients to draw the line when I don't know the right words? Like helping versus enabling a child or Mm -hmm. what that looks like? Um, What do those financial conversations look like? And how are you a guide in that arena?
1: Well, I've uh, recently completed a book that will be coming out in April um, called Power to the Purse.
0: It's on Amazon.com, so you can see it now. You can can even (laughs) pre-order it.
1: Um, But one of the things I, you know, like part of the book is it's a how-to book, but it's also um, about women and how they've evolved over time with money and also about my personal journey. And, you know, I've made some decisions that I would not probably, I I might have reconsidered if I know what I know now. Um, But what I say to people is that, and I'm not going to go all, you know, like I've heard Susie Orman say, you know, don't send your kids to college if you can't save for retirement. I'm not going to say that because, Most parents are not going to feel that, maybe. And for me, education was a priority for my children, right? Education, I did not come from a wealthy family. It was being smart and going to Georgetown that changed my life. Mm -hmm. And that was a sacrifice for my parents. But I also know that, you know, I had a lot of unfortunate things happen in my divorce. and Just when my kids were going to college, and they all went to private institutions. And that caused me to go into debt as well as to not do anything for my retirement. I'm playing big time catch up now. So what I would say to people is that you really need to have good candid conversations with your kids about what their expectations are, and what you're willing to do without being resentful. And also so that you know that you're doing some planning. I mean, I believe Fidelity has said at some point in the last few years that, you know, to get through retirement, you probably need I mean, they say 300000 that seems like a lot, not enough money for, for anyone to get through retirement. But you know, okay, maybe you have Social Security too. But you know, you need to have money in retirement, or you will become a burden to the children that you're trying to help in the present. So having that conversation with your kids is really important. They need to understand that you have to save for retirement. And as much as you might want to send them to Harvard, they might have to go to a state school or they might have to get a scholarship or they might have to get a job.
0: Or student loans. Or student loans. If it makes financial sense for them, I I suppose.
1: And so I think these are discussions, again, that I didn't really have because I was in the middle of a divorce. And at that point, my parents weren't an issue, but I didn't want to change anybody's life because their life was already getting changed by my divorce. So I was just wanted everyone to be happy and try to keep the status quo no matter what the cost to me was.
0: I love that this keeps going back because I knew when we were going to have this conversation, I, I didn't want to approach it like, hey, we're going to give you 10 steps, which we might in the future. We might give some of those ideas, but it's more of like, hey, how does this feel like when you're going through it? And a lot of it is about, one, raising awareness, and two, telling people the same advice. You need to have conversations. Yes. Because when I'm hearing this, the clarity again is so important because um, I even think, as a, a parent of young children, as we, you're talking about all these things, I'm thinking, man, so it's the sandwich generation. And then what happens when grandkids come in? Yeah. Because I know us, sometimes we have high expectations for my in laws of like, hey, can't you watch them? So we go on a date night. Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we go on this trip? And that's a lot. And what we, the way we sometimes, um, kind of come to the conclusion of our expectations as we look around the families around us and it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Some have where both grandparents are very involved in watching and helping. Some have none, some have one. And um, you see, well, you know, Susie and Johnny get to go on three day nights a week <laughs> right. and Mikey and Sandy get to go on one week vacation. So man, it is a lot and they are hard conversations. But to be able to sit down and say like, you know, son or daughter, you walk me through first, what is your expectations? Because um, I remember when when my parents uh, uh, went through um, a time where they w- financially cut me off. And they're like, hey, you're a big boy. Now, you're gonna figure this out. and I'm like, how is there gonna be gas in my car? <laughs> and, and they're like, you will figure it out. It's a, it, it's a crazy world. And but now look it, at you today. Exactly. It was just last week they told me. <laughs> you're
1: uh, a boss yeah. now.
0: <laughs> but um, it just all comes down to is having those conversations. And we're going to get close to wrapping it up, but I did have a few other questions. So the college stuff and all that makes sense. Have you advised or guided people where, um, is that the wrong word, but where they were kind of enabling their children, where you're like, hey, you probably have to have a tough love conversation.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've had to have that with my own children. Uh, So
0: but wait, your kids are good kids. You have to have that with good kids. but
1: You know, know, look, all kids have, you know, not if you have more than one kid, then you know, that not all kids are going to be linear. And everyone's going to have a different problem at a different time, you know. Um, And I've been very fortunate. But you know, I think there's a couple of things that I have said to to my clients. And again, it's a lot of the times it's in the context of estate planning, right? If you have high net worth clients and ultra high net worth clients and they are going to have their children be the beneficiaries of their trust, it is probably not prudent for a 25- or 30-year-old person to get complete access to a lot of money at that age. So one of the things I do speak to them about is, you know, maybe – a, a better age is in somewhere in your 40s and also making sure how that money gets um, passed along that maybe that's you know a separate property trust pops up I- in your trust when you die so that's ring fence from other people tapping into it but even like when I listen and this is a very common thing I think with women especially divorced women because they're trying to do everything for the family and. You know, keep the fire, home fires burning and keep the status quo. And I do have to say many times to them, um, you know, you will be living in a much lesser lifestyle in your retirement if you do not stop this because it will have a deleterious effect on your life. And I'm not saying be a bad mom because my, you know, my raison d'etre besides being a financial advisor is being a mom to my kids. And, I don't wanna I don't like to say no, but I also know sometimes I have to say no because if you don't learn how to do stuff on your own, sometimes you'll just never learn to be independent and you won't self realize but I do know that you know I think parents sometimes want to make everything easy for their kids, and that is not the best route i mean i i not, probably shouldn't even say this, but you know I think I hear a lot about people having anxiety today and you know all this stuff and a lot of the a lot of millennials do and it's because maybe we made things a little bit too easy for everybody you know like i don't i mean okay i grew up in the 70s i don't remember anyone ever talking about anxiety it was just like life sucked and you kind of dealt with it but that we had anxiety you know but i think it's been just kind of with the way the world is and maybe parents making things a little bit too easy for everybody we haven't we haven't encouraged our children to stand on their own but I, I, I help my kids as much as an, the next guy, but I also know that there's a line in the sand that I will not cross.
0: Yeah. And this is a generation that's been smacked in the face with comparison over and over yeah. again, whether it's through media or ads or social media. Um, like, like I joked about earlier, just looking at how uh, the, the the grandparent and parent relationship looks like watching kids. Uh, it's it's impossible uh, not to do that comparative. Does that lead to anxiety and depression? Uh, well, I, I do know. <laughs>
1: and millennials have had a hard time of it, actually, as far as employment goes. I mean, You know, they had the the Great Recession. You know, they kind of had to deal with some stuff. Yeah. So that, you know, hasn't been great for them. So, yeah, not every millennial wants to live in their parents' basement, right? And they had to because of the economic situation. So they have had, and also, you know, there's social media. There's a lot of things that my generation didn't have to deal with. Um, But I do think as a parent, the best thing you can do for your kid is not to be dependent on them when you are old. And that might mean not giving them things today that, you know, you're you're kind of sacrificing the future for today to accommodate whatever you want to give them when, in fact, you might be a burden to them later because you have nothing to help yourself and to support yourself or to take care of yourself when you aren't, you know, of sound mind. And that's the greatest gift you can give to your kids is to have planned out what the heck's going to happen to you when you're old if for some reason you're not of sound mind, you have dementia, you're sick, you've planned that out. So they don't have to take that burden on when maybe they're in their 40s or 50s, and they're trying to attend to their children, because this is very intrusive on their lives. So maybe take a beat before you give them the money that you should be putting into retirement. And even if you don't need to do that, because you've got plenty of retirement savings, maybe take a beat anyway, just so that you know, people know how to be resilient and stand on their own two
0: feet. When I knew I wanted to have this conversation, I immediately knew I wanted to have it with you. And it's because two reasons. One, you come at it with this background of being an advice giver. But even more than that, like, you're not giving me the 10 steps. You're saying, like, I went through this. Like, I'm going through it right now. And I think... That is so valuable um, to folks that are not there yet. Uh, you know, maybe there's people listening where their children are in high school and uh, you know their parents are, are still of sound mind and things are working well. I my hope is that this conversation gets them into a place to say. Hey, we need to have a conversation on both ends. The conversation of, hey, kiddos, like, what's the plan for college? What do you expect mom and dad to do? Because maybe you have a kid in your class where their parents are going to do more. Maybe mm-hmm. you have a kid in the class where they're going to do less. But let's just get that on the table. Yeah. And then with mom and dad, kind of that same conversation. So I appreciate you coming on here. I want to give you uh, a chance to tell everybody how can they learn more about the fiscal feminists? Where do they go? Where do they find you? Uh, go ahead, give us the plug.
1: Oh, you're so kind. Well, you can... Find me on the Bonson Group website. If you type in www.thefiscalfeminist.com, it will take you to my website that sits on the Bonson Group website, and it'll have all my blogs and podcasts. Or you can follow at The Fiscal Feminist on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And so we have a pretty vibrant platform there on Instagram, and all the podcasts are on there. And you can listen to any of the podcasts on whatever podcast platform that you listen to. So that's where you pretty much will find me, and or you can just reach out to me at the Bonson Group and say hey.
0: Yeah, And uh, as always, you can email tom at com. You can address that email to Kimberly or Trevor. Happy to answer any of your questions.
1: And just one thing, yes. we're going to be using this podcast also for The Fiscal Feminist this week. And Trevor is now an honorary fiscal feminist. I love it. Uh, so we, we've we got one guy in the group now. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, let's, Welcome let's to the get, army. Let's get some more in there. Although I have to say, I have a little bit of a following on Instagram from some dudes, so I'm happy with that. So thank you, Trevor, for giving me this opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I feel like this is the tip of the iceberg. There's so much deeper to go into this conversation. And what you've taught me today in my checklist with clients. I'm going to add that. Tell me about the conversations you've had with your parents, because uh, we are advice givers. We are guides. We should be help navigating people into that to and, remove those surprises.
1: And one last thing, because I think I forgot to mention this, but you know, one of the things I talk a lot about to people is how to have conversations about money. But while you're talking to your kids and your parents, You need to probably speak to your partner as well, because this is going to affect their lives as well as yours, because it will be taking time away from them, taking resource from the partnership money of you and your partner, whoever they may be. So you have to talk about this stuff with everybody. We're not allowed not to talk about money and getting old and kids. It's just you just have to talk.
0: Yeah. The, if, if you start making a list of, of folks that you love, you probably have to have a conversation with them. It's probably going to be about money, getting older, and all of the above. So we'll end you there. We'll ask that you rate the podcast. Obviously, five stars are preferred. <laughs> uh, any comments are welcome. And then, um, of course, we'll be back next week with more of our thoughts on money.
2: performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice.